Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Hi, Jen. Hi, Mayor. How are you? Oh, I'm good. We've enjoyed our summer vacation, haven't we? We have. We haven't podcasted since June, early June. Yep. Episode 64, Creating Healthy Boundaries, which was, I think, a good positive way to segue into the summer with some time off where we created some boundaries. We sure did. Yeah. And so I have a little update on statistics that I think would be nice to hear. We have 5,797 listeners. Woohoo! We're doing good. We're represented in 34 countries. No way. Our age range is 18 to 60 plus. Thank God, because I'm 61. They included 60 plus. (laughs) 75% are female. 32% are male. 11% are not specified. And I think that's such an interesting bunch of statistics to even be in 34 countries. That's pretty amazing. Well, I think it's a universal issue, caregiving, and it's something that can affect anyone on the planet at any time. And even though we might have different health systems, different support networks, uh, we all have the same really feelings and challenges as caregivers. We do, don't we? We I think the feelings are so important. I don't know if I remember my thoughts sometimes about something, but I usually remember my feelings. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I've heard that saying, I think it's a Maya Angelou quote, like you won't remember what somebody, you might not necessarily remember what somebody said, but you'll remember how they made you feel. And it's so, so true. And I hope when our listeners tune into this caregiver life, we make them feel comforted and I hope a little bit uplifted and I hope we make you feel less isolated. I hope so too. I think I've expressed this before on our podcast, maybe an earlier podcast. I wish that I had had something like this to listen to when I first became a caregiver. Yes. And to go back to when I'm having those caregiver moments and I feel overwhelmed and alone and you know, I've heard people say, but help, you've been doing this for so long. And I have, and I still have those moments. But you think you'll ever get over those moments though? No, I don't think so. I think that's part of me now and um, moments where I doubt if I'm doing all that I can or where I am a little bitter or resentful because I have to do so much and other moments where I feel content and then suddenly find myself a little bit guilty because I don't think my care recipient is content at that moment. And it's just this whole whirlpool of emotion caregiving. That's a great lead into our topic today. We're going to talk about bountiful gardens. And when I first conceived the idea of doing this particular topic, it occurred to me that when we create our gardens in our homes, you can create a garden in your home. You don't have to have a backyard to have a garden. But if you have a front yard garden or a backyard garden or both and one in the house, even better, you're super bountiful. 
I think we also grow our own gardens within ourselves, within our families and within ourselves. And to have a bountiful garden, we have to have a lot of experience. We, we have to learn, or maybe we don't have to have a lot of experience, but we have to learn from our experiences. We have flowers that don't grow. I've had many of them that don't grow in my garden. I've had feelings in my own life where I've gone to weeds. <laughs> <laughs> but you probably also had moments where you had something bloom in the middle of the pavement, completely unexpected. In the hardest part of your, of your space, you've had something beautiful erupt. Mm -hmm. I have, and I literally in my garden, I, I have, I planted a rose bush a few years ago that I got at the, I'm just, I don't know, Home Depot or Lowe's, and it's called a popcorn rose bush. And I just like the name of it. That's why I bought it. <laughs> And it, the little buds on it are orange, like a popcorn kernel, like that color. And when they bloom, they're white with a little oh. bit of orange inside. And it's, it's really prolific that this thing just grows despite me. It's, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's gone through hurricanes and tropical storms and um, freezes and all kinds of things in nature. And then this rose bush keeps going. So that was a surprise. How many of us have plants that grow in spite of us? My peace lily from my grandmother's funeral, which is now, oh dear, it's quite, it's 14 years old, 14 years old next week. And I can, that thing has been on its last leg more times than I can count because I got so busy and I, you know, you just can only take care of so many things at one time. And yet I went out there this morning and there she was, the beautiful bloom, the little white dust sort of filtering down onto my sunroom floor. And uh, I'm, it flourishes in spite of me sometimes. And but also many, because of me, it's in a nice pot. I give it fertilizer. I do water it when I, when I remember. How many homes has your peace lily had? Oh my, um, we'll have to just count real quick. This is six, it's been in six homes. Who would have thought I'd move six times in 13 years? That's a lot. So six moves and it just keeps, she just keeps coming with you. There she is. Grandma. Just flourishing. That's yes, and reminding me that sometimes things aren't gonna, they're gonna get a little droopy and a little dusty and a little sad, but you can bring them back for sure. Mm -hmm. Or you can move on and find something new to replace it. Mm-hmm. Those are all our big metaphors today for our, for our <laughs> podcast of how gardening is representative of life. Oh, yeah. And, and so important in other ways, too. Gardening for me for years um, was really the, the only respite that I had, you know, on my property. I was growing my own food and could go outside to my garden, which was pretty large. It was 30 by 50. And I had some berries. I had uh, pretty much the standards tomato green beans. But for me being out there, I just got my hands dirty and I got away from all of the caregiving and the life stuff that was would really weigh me down. And especially in those times when um, I had to spend so, so much time at medical facilities or taking care of my brother and then 
taking care of everything else. The garden was the thing I was taking care of it, but really I was taking care of me. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a little, I have a little quote from a, an article that I was reading the other day, how gardening became the self-care staple I never knew I needed. And Haley Needich, a St. Petersburg, Florida-based licensed clinical social worker says that it can be a powerful self-tool we have become so accustomed to multitasking and being totally plugged in during our everyday lives. Gardening requires that we focus only on one thing at a time and that we are fully present in the moment. And that's so, so good for the caregiver mind because you have to pause, give yourself a chance to reset. And if you don't, we've talked about this so, so much. If you don't, it's going to show you're going to get sick or you're going to you're going to do something stupid like I did over the summer break. I was really tired and working and I got to the airport late and then I got to my car and I hit a pole in the airport. Yeah. And it cost me a thousand dollars, but worse than that, it cost me, it hurt, it hurt me because I wasn't paying attention, you know, and all those things go through your mind. Oh, what if my family was in the car? What if, what, you know, what if I did something else? What if I hit a person? Why am I so distracted? And I went through all of that and realized that I need to give my mind more of a break and I wasn't taking good care of myself or I probably wouldn't have made that silly mistake. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. We do get distracted. We get easily distracted. We're always balancing more things than we realize. We get used to what we're balancing and then we don't realize that it's on, on overload. And so we, we can lose our mindfulness. Well, whatever it is we're working on can change in an instant because we're thinking about 10 things instead of the one thing we should be thinking about at that moment, which for you would have been driving your car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's easy to get distracted. It's hard to get distracted when you're gardening because you have to be focused on one particular area. Yeah, and you don't, you know, you have to be careful. You don't want to cut the wrong root or actually a- accidentally pinch off a bloom that was going to make a beautiful cucumber or something. You know, you have to be really careful. And when we're doing that, I think the, that laser focus on the one thing gives the rest of our brain just a chance to relax and unwind a little bit. And oftentimes, do you, and let me know if you do this, and maybe our listeners do this too. Do you like sort out things while you're gardening? I may have a whole conversation with somebody that I, I need to have a conversation. So I have like the practice conversation in my mind while I'm I'm actually out there and doing things with my plants or cleaning my bird feeders. I'll, I'll have the rundown. I do that, but it's sometimes for me, it's more about at least the first few years that I was gardening. It was more about how I didn't like gardening. (laughs) (laughs) I came to gardening pretty hard. I didn't, it was not, I was not the natural gardener in our relationship. Tom was always the gardener. He had philosophies about gardening. You only spend time planting um, things that are colorful or have a fragrance or both. But if you just plant greenery, he's not wasting his time on green. That's his philosophy. Whether it's anybody else's, I don't know, but that's what his philosophy has always been about gardening. And he was a wonderful gardener. And so was his mom. They used to do it together. And that, so I guess he learned a lot from her and then he took off, he was doing it. And we lived in some pretty rocky places in the Poconos and upstate New York, 
where you kind of had to have muscle to get through the dirt to make gardens and it never appealed to me. I gardened many years ago with my dad when I was young um, on Long Island where the, the soil is just beautiful. It's very fertile, um, but I, I didn't do a lot of it. And then, and then I met Tom and he did all the gardening for us for all those years. And then we moved here and into Wilmington, North Carolina and he couldn't garden anymore. So I had to garden for him. I didn't have to garden for him. I should change that. I mean, I didn't, not like he said garden for me. I decided I would garden for him because I knew he loved it and would miss it. And for the first four or five years when I would do the garden for the spring, <laughs> I, I would have an internal conversation that went something like, oh my God, it's so hot out here. I'm sweating. This is ridiculous. I can't stand this. I hate this stupid disease. What the hell? I can't do this anymore. I'm so tired. And then I would just lay, I would just like flat out crash on my back dripping in perspiration saying, I'm just going to die out here. Well, I don't even know why people like this gardening thing. So I essentially did it for him for, well, I don't know, five years. And I, it took me five years. I'm stubborn. It took me five years before I actually enjoyed the process of gardening. <laughs> it does not surprise me that Tom's focus was on things that were fragrant or pretty, colorful, because he was a salesman. And he knows where the fruit comes from. <laughs> He's a good broker. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, it's wonderful that even though picking up that torch was a bit tough for you, that now it's actually quite rewarding. And the pictures of you, we should put some pictures on our social media of your garden. They're amazing. Oh, I thank you. It's particularly prolific this year. We, we had to revamp the garden because we have the hurricanes in the past few years have, you know, it's pulled fences down on top of the garden and we had a tree come down on top of the garden and this destroyed some of the grass. And then, you know, all these kinds of things happen with bad weather. And so this year, Kate and I concentrated and we put some palm trees in there for Tom and we have a little area of memorial for Maddie, Tom's service dog who passed away in May. And, um, it looks pretty good this year. A lot of perennials. I'm hoping they stay and the hurricanes don't destroy it too much. I like, I like going in there now and tending to it, which I, I didn't particularly like to do years ago, but it's also set up so he can tend to it, which is nice for him. And I, I think it's important for caregivers who maybe have a loved one that used to garden and doesn't to think about, well, could I make something accessible, even if it was a plant stand near their bedside or something on wheels that we could move around um, because it, I think it's really valuable for the care recipient too. My, my brother has a lot of issues with his mobility and it, it's, it's not easy for, it wouldn't be easy for him to get down in the dirt or to plant something or to bend over at all, but he enjoys knowing about it and watching the plants grow and being a part of, of it in that way. and. Um, one thing that he has enjoyed the last year is watching me move my plants. So many of our listeners know that I moved from Indiana, I moved my, my permanent residence from Indiana to Florida, but I go back and forth between the two. But when I sold my house in Indiana, I had some plants there that I'd had for years, hostas, lilies that were in my grandmother's farm. And so I brought them to Florida and I've moved them from 
soil to soil to soil. Like I didn't have them in the, in the house. I put them outside. So now these plants like yours have survived a couple hurricanes. Uh, they've completely changed temper, temperate zones. They're in completely different zones now. And um, I've been putting them in my yard here and getting them going. And, and my brother notices that. And for him, actually, it's a bit of continuity. Like, oh yeah, remember how big those were? And do you think they'll get that big here? And he'll ask me these, these questions. And I think for him, it gives him a little pause. But the other thing is that he really enjoys seeing me do something like gardening that's good for me. Our care recipients like to see us doing things that are good for us. Oh, that's such a point. It's so true. Um, and if you you're if your care recipient does not enjoy seeing you do things that are good for you, maybe they don't understand why they're good for you. Sometimes we have to take a pause and explain why something is good for us and meaningful to us. And that helps them to understand and then hopefully for them to be more supportive. Yeah. I wanted to That's also yeah, I wanted to also read you a, a piece about Oliver Sacks that he wrote. Oliver Sacks is a neurologist. Um, he was especially um, focused on um, people with Parkinson's disease. And he wrote a little essay called Why We Need Gardens. And he says, I cannot ex say exactly how nature exerts its calming and organizing effects on our brains, but I have seen in my patients the restorative and healing powers of nature and gardens, even for those who are so deeply disabled neurologically. In many cases, gardens and nature are more powerful than any medication. And I think that goes for us as caregivers to, to nurture something in a garden. Like I have a, a little plant in the house, like in our bedroom, that I take care of. And if that was the only thing that I had room for, I would still take so much joy in that little plant that flowers. It's a shamrock plant and it flowers. It's in filtered sun um, during the day. And it, it does, it produces these little white flowers that are so pretty. And the, even the leaves are really pretty. They have a little red background to them. You can see the light coming through them. If that was the only plant that I had, I, that would make me happy. It would make me content. I would feel better just seeing that plant. Now, of course, I don't think everybody is into all this stuff and that's fine, I get that. But for those people who are wondering why do this? Why spend time with this? I'm really busy. I would say, give it a try. It, it might bring you to a place that you hadn't thought was possible mentally and emotionally. And it might be good for your care recipient as well, depending on what it is they're struggling with that you're caring for them for. Now we deal with, we, our care recipients have neurological impairments. So we can see, you just, you just shared how your brother feels that connectedness. Well, and I'm sure many of our listeners, even our listeners who are caregivers in the form of healthcare workers. So we have a lot of listeners I know that are paid caregivers or they're um, in the healthcare industry. Um, I've noticed a lot of facilities have gardens in them, whether it's a hospital, my mom's um, long-term care facility, even doctor's offices have plants and oftentimes there's a water feature. I'm thinking of um, a particular hospital here. Now, 
I don't see this as much in like VA veterans facilities, but I do see this so much in the civilian world. And I, I think that Oliver Sacks is really on to something because all these healthcare facilities wouldn't have garden spaces if it wasn't if it wasn't medically beneficial, right? That's their that's their goal. That's their mission. Uh, the Shepherd Center in Atlanta has some beautiful gardens, and um, and they use them for recreational therapy. Occupational therapy uses the gardens as well. Um, but you may find yourself spending time in a garden that someone else tends maybe when you're at the hospital. And I think that is equally beneficial because when you spend time in nature, whether it's a garden inside of a hospital atrium or at a park, I think it gives you a chance to reconnect just with the earth and with yourself. That's okay. We, we sometimes get interruptions on our podcast. <laughs> And that's fine. But I, I do agree. I think just um, being able to sit in that kind of environment can be so peaceful. And it's being it's able to quiet your mind down a little bit, which is which is really what we need to do sometimes, especially as caregivers. It's finding the quiet spaces. And I know. So for me, this summer, maybe late spring and into the summer, I, I've done a lot of focus on uh on growing certain like meditation practice and mindfulness practice and finding the spaces in which I can do that um, every day. So pulling together a lot, the episode 64, the boundaries, I create boundaries where I can, where I can make that happen for myself. But I've also done some study and some workshops and I've worked with some really wonderful, knowledgeable um, experts in the field of meditation and mindfulness so that I've been able to grow that. Cause I'm very locked down here, which is hard for, for somebody of my nature who is, I don't know. I'm a, I, I have a, a traveling gene in me that I just want to be out and about. And as a photographer, it is very difficult to be so locked down because I'm not out experiencing the things that I love to photograph as often as I, as I, I was able to. So I miss that. So how do I pull together those, that feeling of grief? It's another aspect of grief is what you can't do anymore. Not necessarily how how you're grieving the loss of somebody else, but it's the things that you lose as well in your life. And so it was really difficult for me to grapple with that. And I feel like that that, that was really grew my, my garden, my internal garden, my bountiful garden. And I know you've had some changes in your life in the, the last few months and weeks, especially. And so maybe you'd like to share a little bit with us on how your gardens have grown. I am growing my garden tall and wide these days. <laughs> um, you know, I've moved around a lot. And one of the things that I openly discuss is how difficult caring for someone who isn't your spouse can be on a relationship. And, um, and it can, it'll either show you how strong your relationship is, or it'll show you the weak spots. And unfortunately, you know, my past relationship didn't survive. And, um, I found myself having to grow individually. I, I took some opportunities and um, took the leap into being a, a caregiver that lives in two spaces and that, that's tough, but I know we have a lot of long distance caregivers who listen to us. But, and so, um, you know, they know that we can make it work and I've done a good job of making it work. Um, and I've also done a good job of 
expanding my horizons, meeting new people, dating, and recently got married. Yay, congratulations. <laughs> Yay. That's exciting news. So you have to call me the news, but <laughs> <laughs> you have to call me Jennifer Jenkins now. I am going to change my name. And um, I have some other exciting news. What's that? Late, late breaking news. Um, my husband and I are going to be welcoming a baby later this year. Wow, that's exciting. Congratulations on two counts, getting married <laughs> and having a baby. Yep, growing my family, growing my opportunity to um, care for another person in my life but in such a wonderful and beautiful way. And I have to, my family is so excited. My care recipient is so excited. And, um, and my husband, Joey, and I are just over the moon. Can't wait. It's a little boy. We can't wait to meet him in person. And um, so my gardening is, I'm, a, I'm doing a little bit less on the ground these days <laughs> uh, and recruiting some helpers, but I've got everything in the ground so it'll be stable until after the baby comes and then when it's uh, this winter when he's napping I can go out there and do some pruning and do all the little things that I like to do just piddling around and uh, I also did some things because I may have to spend a little bit of time um, in bed with my feet up and just you know how sometimes when you're pregnant you have to pay a little bit more attention to yourself um, I've actually set up some of my garden where I can see it from my bedroom window. Oh, I love um, that. I moved some things around. I moved some bird feeders and um, moved a couple of plants. And I'm so happy with that. And every time I look out the window, I think, well, that, see, I did that for myself. I don't think anybody else in the family really knew or cared um, that I was moving plants here and there. Um, and now that they're moved, I'm just so tickled that that's the thing that I did just for me. That's beautiful. I love that. And the calmer you are as a mom, the calmer your baby is. I truly believe that. And so, and it, and it adds to your space for, for mindfulness, really, even meditation practice, just, just looking at something beautiful like that, that you created for yourself. I'm thinking it'll also be good uh, when I'm breastfeeding and that can, that can have its own challenges. And um, I wanted to have, I, I wanted to try to create while, while I still can, before I get too, um, too pregnant, I wanted to create a vista, I think that, um, that would give me a place to focus, a meditative focus. And, mm. um, you know, this summer has been kind of weird. I, I've been um, pregnant for several months <laughs> and I kept it a secret because I am older and I didn't, I don't, you know, I didn't want to disappoint anybody or hurt anybody. And if, if I had a loss and so, well, that was really hard not to tell people. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think in another way, it also helped me realize that I can get through tough days. I can get through the morning sickness and the lightheadedness and still get my brother to his doctor's appointments and still make sure all the things are done. I can do it. And, um, we're stronger than we, than we give ourselves credit for most of the time. Mm -hmm. And then, well, and this is such a joyful, joyful reason for you to build up your strength, your emotional endurance and resilience. And, you know, and on our next podcast, we're going to have, hopefully it works out. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say this is going to happen, but of course we know things change, 
Uh, we're going to have a guest on who is a resilience um, expert. She has really spent her adult life studying resiliency. And I, I think it'll be an interesting topic for us to, to dig into with her because I, I think what you've done for yourself and for your family and for this new baby that you're carrying, that the more resilience you build up for yourself, the stronger you are for them, but the stronger you are for yourself. And it allows you time to, to have more joy. Yeah. And don't we, don't we all just deserve that joy in our lives? And, and we all deserve to have our, our own interests and our, and to, and to follow our own goals. I don't want to say separate from our care recipient, but, but we need to do those things that are just for us. And it, hasn't always been um, easy for me personally to make that decision. And sometimes it still isn't. I got on an airplane yesterday and um, I had a carry-on, which has to go in the overhead compartment. And I'm getting to that stage where I shouldn't really be lifting my suitcase too much if it's too heavy. And it wasn't. And I put it away. My husband got on the plane after me and he said, where's your bag? He was going to put my bag up. And I said, oh, I put it up. And he said, why didn't you ask somebody for help? And I said, I didn't want to bother. And he said, don't you stand up in front of audiences and tell people to ask for help? And I said, I did. And you're right. And I need to be reminded. I'm the reminder most of the time, but I also need to be reminded that as strong as I am, I still need to ask for help sometimes. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. Well, we're just human beings too, just like the people we care for. It is one of the problems with labeling ourselves caregivers is it's become sort of like we're supposed to be Teflon or made of steel as though we didn't have blood flowing through our veins, just like everybody else does. And that we don't have our own plans and things that we want to do in life that are separate from our care recipient, whether they're your brother or your spouse or your child or your mom or your dad, whoever it is you're caring for, you have your own things that you want to do that are important to you, just like you setting up your room so that you could visually see your garden. That's important to you. That's you caring for you, which is, I think so much about what this whole topic is of gardening. It's about taking care of ourselves. And now, as I said earlier, it may not be for everybody to garden, but I promise you, if you try it, you might like it. <laughs> if I, it took me years and I'm, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty tough. Like I'll persevere for a really long time to, to try to like something and eventually it stuck. I do like it. And I love the results of the garden. And I actually love going out and sweating in the garden now. It feels good. It's almost like purging of myself. I love also watching other people garden. I like looking at your garden pictures. Also, I'm on a, in a Reddit subgroup where I can see other people's houseplants. And um, they post a picture of their houseplant when it's um, when it's on its last leg. And then they post another up. A second picture where it's made a miraculous recovery like my peace lily and i love being part of that group because it gives me hope <laughs> that's true and we definitely need that whether we're caregivers or not as human beings we just need to have some hope sometimes we have to know that we can nurture something back and we can and we can nurture ourselves back and i what a wonderful topic to um come back from our summer vacation and get right back into this we have some exciting things coming down the pipeline. Um, I won't tease them today, but in our coming episodes, we'll be telling you about lots of different things that we're doing with this caregiver life. Mm -hmm. 
I agree. We're working on transcripts. So we'll put, we'll just put that out there and uh, don't hold us to a date as to when that will be done. We, we, are, we are working on it. And we, we like the idea of having some transcripts from some of the podcasts available. And so we're working on that. And then we have a bunch of other things coming down the pike that we're looking forward to. We're going to have some growth with this caregiver life. We have some different directions we're going to go in and we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from our listeners. We'd love for you to share your, your um, gardens with us, whether it's an indoor garden, whether it's a plant that you've always loved and hear the story. We're happy to share that on, on our next podcast. We can share it on our social media outlets and give you all the credit for all the words that you created and your garden and your photograph. But if you would like to share with other caregivers, what gardening has meant to you, I think that would be so meaningful to other caregivers. Oh, it really would be. So send us your pics, send us your stories. You can submit your stories on our website, thiscaregiverlife.com, and you can email us, thiscaregiverlife at gmail.com. And you can also just send us a message on social media where we're all the places where you are. Yes, exactly. I think this was, this was a great podcast. It was a good one to kick off to our next few that we have coming. We'll, we'll podcast through September, October, probably some in November, then um, Jennifer's big, big giant flower will be here. <laughs> breathing flower she's growing inside of her. And then we'll, we'll lay low for, for probably two months after that or so. And then we'll be back again in the spring. So send us your ideas and um, keep us keep us in touch with who you are and what you're up to as a caregiver. Yeah, and, and remember, give yourself a little fertilizer today. We all, need, we all need that from time to time. That's great. Okay, good. We'll see you next time. See you next time, Mayor. <laughs>